Welcome to Translation Confidential. This is Peter Argandizo and Patrick Daly. And today's topic is going to be narration and voiceovers and why it matters, why you should be looking at these as part of your digital marketing strategy. But first off, let's get started with a big initiative that uh, we just launched over at Argo, and that is a series of COVID-19 safety posters that are translated in 14 languages. And those are free. Um, they're available to anyone that wants them. You can choose the number of languages you like. You can choose two. You can choose all of them. You can even just download the English ones. That's just fine. But you can access those at argotrans.com forward slash COVID 19. Again, that's argotrans.com forward slash COVID 19. We're well over a couple hundred downloads already. And this was just released earlier this week. Um, it's really been a popular hit with a lot of uh, school districts government offices, and corporations that are looking to keep their employees safe. So I encourage you to go take a look. Why don't we get rolling with this topic? Um, Patrick, obviously, there's a bunch of different kinds of you know, narration, voiceover, subtitling, maybe just a, a quick sort of discussion on what the difference is between, uh, you know, between the types of services. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we can start with subtitling, um, which is pretty familiar to a lot of people. That's where you'll have the spoken words um, from the person on screen typed out kind of across the bottom of the screen on a rolling basis. So as they're talking, the text will be typed out so that you can both read the text as they're saying it and hear it from the speaker. Um, a voiceover would be where you have typically... Um, will work with English videos into other languages as a translation company. So you have the person speaking English uh, on screen, and then they'll kind of be superseded by a translated voiceover. So it would be the same thing where we'd be working from that same script we'd use for the subtitling part of the project, but it would be spoken over it. And then narration would just be kind of the single language would be there. So you wouldn't be hearing the English. You just have a separate version for whatever translated language you're going into. Great. And, Really, the, the goal of the podcast today is to help folks understand what an important part of their business strategy video should really be. And we, we, we found some statistics to back it up. And this one's from HubSpot. 81% of businesses use video as a marketing tool. And that's up from 63% over last year. And HubSpot would know, obviously, since they, uh, you know, many of their customers, including us, uh, use their CRM system for sales enablement, essentially. And here's another one that I thought was interesting. Six out of 10 people would rather watch online videos than television. And I don't know if that's a comment on the spread of online videos or how lousy television is. I'm not sure <laughs> which. But either way, it's a very, very important part. And that's from Google. And this last one, before we start the next part of the discussion, is um, this is from Cisco, so the networking folks. And by 2022, online videos will make up more than 82% of all consumer internet traffic. That's 15 times higher than it was in 2017. So as you can see, if video is not an important part of your strategy, um, you're going to be missing something. You're going to be missing a lot of the consumer segments. And our idea on that is, well, that would follow that then you'd want to translate those materials to make your audience even larger, right? What if I'm hitting all of my markets? So Patrick, maybe you can walk us through a little bit some of the use cases. So I'm a business. What types of projects should I be thinking about? So, you know, maybe I'm a business that doesn't even do English video. Maybe I don't even have that. Um, so this applies, doesn't matter if it's translated or not, it applies to both. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things 
that we tend to see as projects in this space. Yeah, before we jump into that, I wanted to add in one more comment based on um, those stats that you mentioned. I think it just speaks to kind of how newer generations are consuming any type of media, whether it's for work or whether it's for personal use. A lot of people kind of are, like you mentioned, with all those stats, leaning towards going to videos for basically everything. Um, I mean, it's kind of, for better or worse, that's where it's going. Uh, Maybe text can't hold people's attention span as much as a video could. So I think that's just kind of, I think those statistics to me at least suggest a slightly generational shift too of going from from written text to consume everything to the video route. Um, But then in terms of the projects that we can do for um, any narration or subtitling or voiceover, um, there's a lot of corporate communications. Um, Sometimes we'll see that in large meetings. uh, If it's a company-wide meeting, Um, if it's a U.S.-based company, typically the leadership team will be uh, English speakers. So if they need to get that information out to the um, there are other regions where other languages are spoken. Uh, we'll do some sort of solution there, whether it's narration or subtitling. Um, same goes for any training or e-learning materials. Um, so I know a lot of people might be facing um, kind of a test or an e-learning uh, course about you know how to return to work safely. So I think we've seen a few of those come through. You know, it's it's a video component, but it also has test questions. It's got a PowerPoint presentation in there. So there's a lot of other elements that go into that. Um, and it, you can do as much narration or as little narration as you want. And then the same would go for subtitling. You can kind of ramp it up to subtitle the whole thing or only specific parts. Um, obviously a lot of advertisements that kind of speaks for itself. If you're going to be putting out videos on any sort of social media or even just on TV or whatever it might be, um, having subtitles or a narration in other languages is going to be super helpful. That's great. You know, thank you, Patrick. Um, you know, I, I guess I wanted to follow up one of the things you mentioned, and I, I think you made a great point about really consumption, right? It's consumption of information. And I think part of it is time. I mean, I know even just kind of from my own perspective, um, when researching something, you know, we, we're looking at a new service, we're looking at getting some new piece of software, I tend to look for the video stuff because it's quicker bites, right? You know, you might watch a two minute video versus read a 10 minute case study. And I, I, you know, it's short attention span theater, I guess, but um, all of us are so busy. Our email boxes are overflowing that I think that that's another reason why video I think is really powerful. Um, I mean, that just speaks to two. You have to see it to believe it. It's I think people mm -hmm. buy in and have more engagement when, something shown to them rather than them having to read about it and kind of imagine what's supposed to be happening. If they can see it and it can be illustrated for them, that's going to be a lot easier for them to digest and comprehend. Great. And, you know, and I have some more stats to support the case because I know, Patrick, that at least half the world thinks, gosh, Peter and Patrick are an authority on everything and we follow everything they say blindly. But I do think that HubSpot, Google, Alexa, uh, WordStream, Cisco, all these sources probably carry a pinch more weight. So we're going to go with their stats. Just a so, little bit. A little bit, a little bit, at least for now. Um, so let's go back to HubSpot. So 78% of people watch online videos every week and 55% view online videos every day. And that's from HubSpot. And I thought this one was interesting too. And I'm, it's from Alexa. So it's interesting because I'm, I'm assuming it's based on inquiries to Alexa and YouTube is the second most popular website after Google, 
So this is not a stock picking show, but I suppose that means that Alphabet is a good pick because they have the first two websites. Um, here's another interesting one that just floored me. Users view more than 1 billion hours of video each day on YouTube. I mean, that's insane. I thought that was insane. Um, two more. Again, trying to make the case. 59% of executives say they would rather watch a video than read text. And that's from WordStream. And this last one from Incivia is viewers retain 95% of a message when they watch it in a video compared to 10% when reading it in text. And again, always going back to sort of, you know, kind of my own personal uh, tastes or how I use this type of social media or media is that I think, hey, if you see a video that's really good, it's really easy to just share that video then to go ahead and send the link to a colleague on Slack or just even right within YouTube. It's so easy to share. Um, and I think that's a big part of it. it. You know, otherwise, well, I have this PDF, I have to email it. You know, so it's, it's just ease of use, ease of consumption again. Um, so let's talk about some reasons why you should consider translated video as part of your next project. You know, there's kind of some key components that go into that, Patrick. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um, that, I mean, for me personally, I'm a big fan of having subtitles go with a lot of media. Um, typically we'll find, and we'll get into this, I'm sure a little bit later, but Typically, that's the lowest cost option. Um, there, we won't have to hire a voice talent to do this. We won't have to integrate anything into the video. It's basically we can produce an SRT, translate it, and get it back to you. And it's easy enough to attribute that SRT to the video. Uh, but what that does is it increases engagement. Um, you know, a lot of people, they're going to digest that content easier. It's going to be easier for them to take in that information and understand it. Um, it also demonstrates your commitment to the market that you're trying to break into. If you're only publishing your content in English, that could be a huge gap if you're trying to enter any market where English isn't the first language. Um, it also drives up your social media exposure. If you're in more languages and you're getting your message out there more, you're going to get more engagement in return. Um, and then obviously the two things that we do most of is, you know, increasing revenue for our clients. So by breaking into those markets, you can increase your revenue or increased employee engagement. So if you're using it for internal reasons, you'll be more engaged with the employees within your company. Great. Yeah, no, wonderful. I think that's, those are compelling reasons to, to get started. And I liked what you're talking about. I know we're going to cover it in a little bit, but you know, there are stepping stones into this. You don't have to just suddenly do everything. You know, you don't have to uh, do voiceovers. You don't have to do narrations. You don't have to do all of them. You can choose something. You take that baby step of doing subtitling and that works um, really well. Uh, a couple more statistics. So 72% of customers would rather learn about a product or service by way of video. That's also through HubSpot. That kind of makes sense. Like product, product demos are compelling, if, especially for software. My gosh, you're buying a piece of software. You want to see how it's going to work. How is it going to save time for me? Um, People are 1.5 times more likely to watch video on their mobile phones. And that's from Facebook. And I think all of us use our mobile phones to kill downtime, right? Whether you're in line or um, you're sitting in a meeting with Peter and Patrick and you're bored and you say, hey, I'm going to look at my phone. 92% um, of users watching video on mobile will share it with others. And that's from WordStream. That goes to the point that I was talking about. All of the platforms make it so easy to share. So if you have a compelling little video, 
hopefully that's how it goes viral, right? And by 2020, there will be close to 1 million minutes of video crossing the internet per second. And that's from Cisco. Obviously, they have a vested interest because they're the guys that take care of our networks. They take care of traffic. So um, I think we've made the case um, on why this is important. But the question that I have for you, Patrick, is if I am the customer, what should I ask for? You know, there's narration, there's voiceover, there's subtitling. What are the things that I should ask for? Like, what should I be looking for? How do I decide whether I'm going to go into a project or not? Mm -hmm. I think um, a lot of things, a lot of the time, uh, the first thing the customer will want to know is what's the price difference between all of these? Um, Because they need to know, they basically need to evaluate, you know, how important is this video? How, How much do we need to invest in it to get it into all these other markets? Um, so a lot of times where we land is on, you know, the, the lowest cost option, which is subtitling, which again, as I mentioned before, um, from a workflow perspective on our end too, it's probably the easiest one that we can do. Um, it's basically, we make the transcript in the SRT typically format. Um, and that's just a subtitling file. Uh, we get into our translation system, translate it, and then export the translated version and that's basically done. Um, where a little more complexity comes in is on the voiceover or narration projects. Um, for those, we would need to hire a studio talent. Um, we'd still do the same process to start as the subtitling where we'd generate that script and have it time-coded, but then it would go to a speaker of the translated language to record it. Um, typically, the time sync is a little bit difficult, as we've talked on other shows. Um, some languages expand greatly compared to English, so you could look, be looking at a 40 to 50% overlap um, in your time codes. So that's something we need to, to work through when we do any sort of recording, voiceover, or narration project. Um, so it's really, your question was, you know, what should the customer be asking for? It really depends on what you're looking for. Um, do you need it spoken in that other language or is written okay in addition to having that video? So it's really up to you as a customer to determine exactly what it is that you would want or need. I, all good points. And I think for me, what that brought up is, you know, as the customer, you should be very forthcoming in, um, you know, what it is that you're trying to accomplish. I, I think you might think that, hey, this is, superfluous information. I don't know that I want to share it, but I think it's all relevant. If you say to the project manager, hey, this video is going to hit this audience. I'm trying to hit this demographic because there's things that go into this, right? You know, I think of, and I've, I know I've referred to this project in other podcasts that we've done or other shows that we've done, but you know, what is the education level of the target audience? So that being said, you may decide that subtitling isn't the best bet because if it's a, if it's a lower education bracket, maybe Maybe literacy isn't that high in that group. So maybe you need to do the audio. You need to do the full voiceover. So who are you targeting? That's incredibly important. And if you share that information with the project manager, they're going to tell you, you know, what is really the, the best way to go forward and how, how is the, you know, what's the best method for engaging your audience, which is really what you're trying to do. Right. And we talk about that with, with any project, whether it's going to involve a video or any sort of narration or subtitling, or whether it's strictly written translation, it's always going to benefit you as a customer if you let your project manager know what is the goal of translating this document. Where are you going to use it? What are you going to do with it once we're done? That's going to give us a huge indication of how we should handle the project and how we should set it up. 
Well, and that being said, you know, you, you spoke a little bit to this point, but I think it's good for our, um, people to understand that are new to this. Like, what are the cost drivers? You know, I might say, well, gosh, I want everything. I want subtitling. I want voiceover. I'd like 14 voices because I want it all be, to be very different, to be a crowd. You know, that I'll take everything. Well, obviously, that would be rough. So what are, uh, what are the drivers? What makes a project more expensive than, say, just a straight-up subtitling project? Mm-hmm. So um, we can kind of just walk through the process of if you wanted everything, and then we can kind of highlight the cost of each step. Um, so the first step would typically be transcription. That's if we would receive just a video with no script uh, assigned to it, then we would basically make the script for the client. Sometimes it can be provided, which, hey, that's cost savings and time savings for you as the customer. Is, uh, um, is time coding an important part of that, Patrick? Yes, um, especially so by nature, if we're doing subtitles, we'll take that uh, script and put it into an SRT format, as I mentioned before. Um, And those time codes live in that file. So it's kind of done automatically by the transcriptionist that we would employ for that. Um, So they set up all those time codes. If it's not done in an SRT format, um, we have transcription teams that will time code it. And that, again, will come into play once the translation is done it's going to be super important um, to make sure that all the text from the translation fits in the same time frame as the English text, whether it's spoken or written. Um, so typically the cost for transcription is relatively low uh, related to the whole project. Um, typically that would be on a per minute charge. Um, so obviously as the number of minutes goes up, the, the total cost would go up. Um, and then the next step would be translation. Um, again, that one on the whole is typically going to be pretty low in comparison to either voiceover or narration. That'd be a written translation um, in whatever file type that we do receive. Um, and then the voiceover and narration, um, along with the studio costs, is kind of the more expensive end of this type of project. Um, that's going to be where we have to employ the the speaker to record all the audio. Um, they do their own QA process, make sure that all of the time codes are synced with the English so that we don't have a video that's 10 minutes longer than it should be. Patrick, is that, you know, is this where a customer might need to make a decision? I have three speakers in my English video, but in other words, to save money on the budget, they could potentially just go with one voice, right? Right. So sometimes we'll see, you know, I want one male voice, one female voice instead of, you know, five different male voices and five different female voices. Um, So those are all things that the project manager will bring up uh, while we're quoting the project. Um, We'll engage with the studio um, and we'll say, you know, what kind of where, what do you want? And this is how we'll quote it. You know, we can go to as specific or as broad as you want, um, like you mentioned with the number of voices. Um, Also, What's great about um, the studio that we work with is that we will always provide samples before we do a project. So we'll say, you know, here's five different voices, pick which one you want. So I think that's that's a super uh, valuable thing for the clients to have is they get to pick which voice they want. It's not just, oh, here you go, deal with it. Um, they have a little bit of input at that point. Um, and then typically the last step we'll do in a project would be any sort of functional review. So that's where we would... Um, we would consume the media as it's meant for for who the, the customer is marketing to, who they're sending it to. So, you know, if it's an ad, we would watch it and make sure everything is all time synced. If it's an e-learning project where it's, you know, some kind of course with the quizzes, we would 
poke around through the project, take the, the test as if we were a user and click through everything, make sure all the links work, make sure everything is time coded correctly. Um, and then we'd kind of wrap that all up with our, our studio and make sure that everything's in tip tap shape. That's wonderful, Patrick. I, I think we've done uh, a decent job, if I say so myself, of outlining this whole discussion and arming people with enough to know how do I pursue video projects? How do I do this? Um, so this was really good. Um, what's your takeaway, Patrick? We, we worked through a bunch of statistics. We worked through um, why customers should be thinking about this. What's your big takeaway? Uh, my big takeaway is that if you couldn't tell already, I'm a big fan of subtitles. Um, and I, as a, I guess I'm a millennial, I consume a lot of Netflix, Hulu, any sort of streaming services. And I watch all of those with English subtitles on. And I think that that's incredibly valuable for engagement and understanding and whatever you're watching. If you are listening to it and reading it at the same time, I think your comprehension of that goes through the roof. And I think it just makes you that more engaged in what you're doing. And it really, it really can go a long way in, you know, getting valuable customers like me basically forever. I mean, I'm going to be a customer of them forever because they have the ability to put subtitles to their videos. So I think any sort of way that they can get more engagement from their customers is going to go a long way. Great. Yeah. Similar to my biggest takeaway for the, for the show is just that there's so many options. You know, there's a lot of ways to approach this and you don't necessarily have to be an expert to get started. You know, you can get help from whether it's your marketing firm and creating these videos or even doing something a little bit more guerrilla and just creating a demo uh, video on your own and getting it transcribed and subtitled. Start small, you know, find the smallest uh, denominator, you know, what you can afford to do and give it a try and see if you get some engagement. I think that makes sense to me. So with that, we will wrap up this episode of Translation Confidential. This is Peter and Patrick, your authorities on just about everything. Thank you. And until next time, bye-bye.